0: So, as you can see from the beginning that Denver is the smarter of the both of us as I joined the this with my microphone uh muted um but we are we are good friends, and there was a a time towards the end of our time at the seminary when I began to um feel like what am i going to do without this without this guy that's um you know been a, a good friend of mine throughout the time in seminary when we were on these uh long long journeys down the 14 freeway um and denver was a dear friend and still is and i'm thankful just as as he is for our friendship but one thing that we can say that brought us together was the Word of God, just as the Word of God is bringing us together um even right now. for me, it's uh nine in the morning over here in California and um and I know it's it's uh in the evening over there for for you all for for me, last night uh we had an elders meeting, and I asked for a prayer for this morning. And some jokes came out that um, people from so far away would want to hear what I have to say about the Bible. (laughs) Um, I am at a a small rural church that I absolutely love. And the the men that help me um, in serving the congregation here are just absolutely blessings to me. My church is called Newberry Community Church and we're in the Mojave Desert in California. I've been here since uh, December of 2019. About four months after arriving here, uh, all the COVID stuff happened, and so it made the first initial year very difficult. That first year, we also found out um, that my wife has lupus, and so those were some of the things that uh, that Denver was speaking of as far as trials. My wife. Uh, uh, still has lupus and things have only progressed in, in a way that has made life challenging as far as her health. But we are thankful to the Lord that he has given us his spirit and his word and salvation um, and himself. Uh, we, we don't know how, we would ever get through a, a day without him and so we are we are very thankful for uh, the encouragement that we have and the support that we have through our local body our church even the church that I was at while attending the seminary with Denver has been a blessing to us and regularly send um, cards and just things to, to bless us and and to just show their support. So the Lord through his church has demonstrated his faithfulness and his love to us. We are incredibly thankful for that. Um, the reason why we are uh, joining this morning or this evening for you is to um, really tackle an issue regarding the word of God. And, and um, what I would like to do is just uh, let let you know that I have been preaching through Psalm 119 here at, at our church. And I've been doing that for about a half a year now, moving uh, eight verses at a time through Psalm 119. And it is uh, the longest chapter, the longest Psalm at 176 verses. Um, Psalm 119 is, um, is a blessing and an encouragement, and it has much to do with the Word of God. The way that Psalm 119 has uh, impacted uh, my life and the life of so many others in the congregation has um, just been uh, remarkable. We are encouraged by it week in and week out. Um, and for those of you that, that are familiar with Psalm 119, I'm sure in your hearts right now, you are, you're saying amen. Um, the subject for this teaching, which will all be uh, tied to Psalm 119 is to, um, to reinforce a love for God's word, uh, to reinforce a, a love for God's word. And, um, this morning the the teaching is is all on how the word of God is a habitual blessing. The word of God is a habitual blessing. Um, next week, uh, Lord willing, we will take a um, dive into a second class, and that class will be all on how the word of God is an anchor when we're suffering. But for this. This class, um, the the subject and even the title is, uh, the word is a habitual blessing. The word is a habitual blessing. Um, before that, if you if you would, you know, hopefully you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalm one hundred and nineteen, um, and and just go to the very beginning, to to verse one. And um, and when we get to to this psalm, there's a, an interesting thing that happens. As I mentioned, it's 176 verses long. Um, the, the way that it was written was really to enforce uh, this method of um, memorizing God's word and putting it into the form of a song. Uh, The reason why it's uh, 176 verses is because it's actually uh, 22 stanzas, which every line of each stanza begins with the same Hebrew alphabet working through the Hebrew alphabet. Um, So the first stanza would be the first alphabet uh, letter and, and the second stanza will be the second alphabet letter, and, and so on, all the way through the whole Hebrew alphabet. And so, so you can look at um, Psalm 119 as, th- as um, 22 uh, stanzas, but they're all one, one song and one psalm. When you get to the first stanza, the first three verses are, are unique in the way that the psalmist uses the first three verses to really prime us and to make us ready. Um, you know, if you were going to hike a mountain, let's say like Mount Everest, you're going to go on this extremely difficult hike where the the higher you uh, you go and you hike on this mountain, the more oxygen you'll need. Well, before you get yourself well on that hike you need to ensure that you have oxygen tanks with you and so you would do a check basically before you would before you would take such a feat the psalmist does that for us in the first three verses he he gives us a a time to prime ourselves to make ourselves ready to embark on the rest of the psalm Um, and you can see that As uh, you look at the first three verses, and I'll read them, and I'll read them from the New American Standard. And uh, verse one says, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. And the interesting thing that we see in these three verses is that once you leave these three verses, we do not see references to God in regard to his, um, uh, the pronoun his. And what do I mean by that? Moving from, uh, moving onward, uh, you see the psalmist start to direct his attention as a a form of prayer so when you speak to prayer uh, speak to the lord in prayer you don't call the lord his you just speak to him and say you know uh, lord would you or um, uh, we we use that pronoun you when we address the lord and so you see a shift from verses one through three through the rest of the psalm where the psalmist does not Speak to the Lord like that. So we can really see that the first three verses are actually speaking to his audience. And then after his first three verses, he begins to pray and sing a song of prayer to the Lord. Um, and now what are, what are these three verses? How do they work in this way? When I say they prime, they are actually uh, like a ticket to enter into this psalm. We find out from the psalmist exactly who is blessed, exactly who is is happy. Uh, One commentator wrote that you could almost put a sign here that would say, this way towards happiness. Um, Some of the older translations and some of the older commentaries would even translate the first lines uh, verse one and two as oh how very happy are those whose way is blameless oh how very happy are those who observe his testimonies um, and what we what we see here what we need to take with us before we embark in this mountain of a psalm is to see that only those that are uh, truly blessed that are truly happy are are the lords for sure but they are those who walk with integrity that's what that word blameless is uh, is really re- referring to um and they are also people who can be characterized as habitually or um, routinely regularly walking in the law of yahweh or the law of the lord It further uh, defines their character by saying how blessed are those who observe his testimonies. And so what we see is these two words, to walk and to observe, are are actually words that are speaking about uh, habitual character. These are people that are known for walking in the law of the Lord, people that are known for observing his testimonies. There are also people who are known for seeking the Lord, seeking him with with all of their heart, and they do no unrighteousness, and that is because they walk in his ways. That really sets the character of the person that is blessed, and it really sets uh, an image of the type of person that the psalmist will regularly refer to and regularly um, have a desire to be. The psalmist is not giving us these first three verses as, hey, look at what I've achieved. Look at who I am. And, um, and you know, sometimes we, we may be, I don't know, um, discouraged because on our road of sanctification, maybe we have just started. Uh, maybe we are not growing as much as we wish we would. And yet the Lord has placed saints around us that are, are godly and are encouraging and, um, you know, gifted. And, and it seems like their walk is, is so much closer to the Lord. Uh, we may think, oh, we'll never be like them. And, and, um, and that's, that may be true. And that, that's a good thing because our, our aim shouldn't be to be like another man besides the, the man of, of Christ. Um, we should aim to be like him. And and we would see that even in these first three verses, uh, we can see a snapshot of even who the Lord Jesus was blameless. He walked according to the law. Um, he observed the testimonies of God. And um, through his prayer life, we can see that he, he sought the Lord uh, with all of his heart and did no unrighteousness. And that's because he walked in and his father's, word and ways for us when we see this it it should be a blessing to us a reminder to us that this is what we should aim for this is how we should walk um but again this is not what the psalmist has achieved um if you're familiar with this psalm then you are also familiar with uh how this psalm ends and I want to just read it to you. And the very last verse, verse 176, he says, I have gone astray like a sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So even though he doesn't forget the commandments of God, the word of God, the instructions of God, he he has not been absolutely perfect in his walk. As a matter of fact, he says, "I have gone astray." It's an unusual um, verse that that perhaps um, we might struggle with. You know why? Why would the Lord um, allow this to be in His Word? I think it's an absolute encouragement for us that know that that we need His grace day in and day out to to walk. Um, as Paul says, in a manner that is worthy of the calling in which we have been called. Um, now, I have um, a few things that I would like to to kind of point out from this. You know, if this is our ticket, this is really, um, you know, what we can say is that those who regularly or habitually go about their life with integrity according to God's instructions while continuing a pursuit of God with all of their heart. Those are the ones that will be blessed. Now I want us to look at how the word of God is then a habitual blessing um, in our life, in the life of of the believer. Um, and um, and what, what we see is that through the... Uh, vast um uh text of uh, psalm 119 we actually see that the word of god is is one it's it's accessible and it's applicable to every portion of our life it's accessible and it's applicable um and and i know that you know you go amongst the saints and no one's gonna argue with you about that we, we kind of just say okay i, I agree i know that but Consider this: all through this psalm, 176 verses, every line makes a reference to God's word. Whether it is to to be brought back to life because of God's word, or to to not be ashamed of God's word, or or to um, you know, to have God's word pressed upon him, or or to meditate on it, to sing of it, to love it, to in all for all sorts of um, uh, areas and and uh, times of, of man's life. Really, we can say that Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. But we could also say that that Psalm 119 was given to show us how the Word of God relates to every aspect of man's life. Um, and so. For the first uh point, and that is that um how you know how is god's word a habitual blessing it is um accessible and it's applicable uh turning your scriptures to to verses one hundred and forty seven and one hundred and forty eight actually um preaching through preaching through this um, I, I enjoy saying turn your turn to your uh bibles to you know chapter you know, uh, 119 or Psalm 119 and verse 100. It's like so unusual that you get to say, you know, uh, that these verses are in the 100s. But in, uh, in verse 147 and 148, the psalmist says, I arise, I arise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. And it's such an interesting statement because we like to think about, you know, okay, well, how would, how will you, you know, spend your devotion time or how will you be in the word of God today? And usually we think about, okay, from a, a reasonable time of when you wake up to a reasonable time of when you go to sleep. But here the psalmist is, is looking for extra time. Ask, uh, ask your, uh, Pastor Denver Solomon, if he ever asked the Lord for extra time during seminary. (laughs) Um, I was the king of uh, asking for extensions on my paper. So I was always looking for more time. This psalmist is looking for more time. He loves the Lord and the word of God so very much that he is looking for more time he says i arise before dawn and cry for help now the cry for help is in next week's uh teaching but um to just to put it in a brief way he he has been persecuted and is in trouble and because he is uh his understanding of needing god's help manifests into a change in his routine it, it, it turns into, it becomes a waking up earlier. Now, I don't know about you, but when I wake up before my alarm goes off, I'm usually not very happy about that. But this psalmist, with this kind of need and this love for the word of God, waking up before his alarm would be a blessing just so that he can make his petition known to god and then it says i wait for your word some translations have i hope i hope for your word it's a wait and hope are very similar um uh, as far as our hebrew definition in verse 148 the next verse he says my eyes anticipate the night watches you know i don't know if uh, many of you uh you know Upon going, going to bed at night, you know, maybe um, kiss your spouse and say, okay, uh, I'm going to stay up a little bit later and just meditate on the word of God. Well, that's what he's doing. He says, my eyes anticipate. He's looking forward to it. He longs for it. He anticipates it. For what? To meditate. Uh, some translations have the word muse. He wants to be meditating or musing on the word of God what is that? That is not, you know, in some kind of quiet thought where you're emptying your mind. It's it's, uh, the opposite of that. It's chewing on the word of God. It's reciting the word of God. It's singing the word of God quietly. It's it's, uh, speaking the word of God quietly. Um, Not that it has to be quietly, but it's the night watch, right? He's not going to wake everybody up. Um, but it's it's that time to really think about God's word and 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 be speaking it and saying it so that He can hear Himself. That is the benefit of meditating on the Word of God. It's not just reading it, it's not just writing it, but it's but it's reading it or hearing it and then speaking it so that you yourself can also hear it. It's a, it's a secondary um, level of learning it and remembering it. It's a way to infuse it, or 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 place it in into your mind and into your memory, um, which gets us into into um, uh, another point regarding its accessibility. You know, the psalmist is living in a time when uh, not everybody had a Bible like like we have many Bibles or had a Bible on his phone or tablet or whatever. And so he really wasn't in in a, a good position to have the word of God. But early in the Psalm, in verse 11, he says this, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Have you ever thought about In God's perfect creation and designing, he designed us to have minds that would be able to file away and then recall God's word to have memories that are sometimes shocking and, and impressive Um, when somebody begins to lose their memory. It's, it's, It's a terrible thing, and so maybe we take our memory for granted, Um, but God designed us in a way to have just a phenomenal memory. We remember sight, smell, people, places. We remember what things felt like, Um, you know, I still, you know, remember you know, Pastor Denver's little little car that he used to take us to seminary. Um, you know, shaking the whole way down the hill. Um and um our our memories are are good to us. They're good to us. And we should use them to um to glorify the Lord. He says, I have I have or your word I have treasured in my heart when I was in seminary I had I had my my son I have a 4 year old son and his name is Zephaniah Zephaniah and Zephaniah like the like the minor prophet and his name means Yahweh hides and it's uh it's a a word uh that refers to not that God himself runs and hides from something but that God hides those whom he loves or who he treasures and that's the same word here. Um, not Zephaniah, but Zephan. Your word I have treasured. Zephan, I have treasured in my heart. He's placed it there. Why? That I may not sin against you. God's word is a habitual blessing to us. If we would store it in our heart, or we know the verse of, if, if my people would only pray, I mean, if God's people would only store His Word in their heart, you know, how many times have you desired? Uh, you're speaking to somebody, saying, "Oh, where's that verse? I forgot." You know, that that reference or whatever. We need to work on on storing God's Word in our heart, so that we wouldn't sin. That it would be a safeguard. It would protect our heart. It would protect our walk. And it would help us uh, love the Lord all the more uh, through obedience. And um, and so the psalmist has accessibility uh, to the word of God because he has the scriptures, but that's not enough. He can't hang out with the scroll all day long. There's a life to live. And just like we can't walk around with our face in our Bibles all day long, um, we have to take god's word and and store it in our heart um, like james says that 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 the word of god would 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 go into our heart like like a seed you know and produce um you know a tree and fruit and whatnot but he says i have treasured my heart are treasured in my heart um the word of god and and it's verses like that we we See them with smile, they they make us feel good. But really, they should be an indictment to us if if we do not memorize the word of God. And that is the reason why he muses or he meditates on the word of God. And so, so the first thing you know that we looked at is uh, the word of God is an habitual blessing because of how accessible it is to us and how applicable it is to us um, using it in every day of our life in every way that our... Uh, life may uh, may turn. The next thing I want us to look at is, is how the word of God draws out our affections. The word of God draws out our affections. You know, um, the more that we read God's word, um, the more we love the Lord, the more that we love the word of God. And then the more that we love the word of God and the more that we love God, the more we go to God's word. And it's like this: this cycle, this loop that just continues. Um, and if we're persistent in it, uh, with with a, a pure heart, a genuine heart, not just you know going to the scriptures to um, to to get a, a big head, uh, but but really um, as a as a, an act of worship, we will love the word of God more. People ask, oh, I just uh just want to love God more. I wanna, you know, I want to love his word more, but you just have such a hard time reading his word. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> go go and read the word. I don't know about you, but it's it's very difficult to love people that you do not know of and that you do not know. But when we go to the word of God and we learn who he is. We begin to love Him, and we begin to love His Word, and the more that we love Him and His Word, the more we go back to it, and the more we love Him, and the more we go back to it, and it just grows um, like that you know, um, until we see Him in glory. And so, some verses for us to consider with with what the psalmist says in regards to this. Um, in verse ninety seven, he says, "Oh, how I love Your law." It is my meditation all the day. And that brings the last point about its accessibility and applicability in our life together with this drawing out our affections. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. All day long, he's meditating on it. He's thinking through it. In verse 111, He says, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. The joy of my heart. If we are downcast, if we are depressed, the answer is is never, well, don't read God's word. It is always more of God's word. Get them into God's word. And they're in God's word and say, you know, well, nothing's changed. Yeah. Uh, read more of it. Pray it. Think of it. Trust it. Believe it. It's, it's not some, some magic pill. If it were, then any unbeliever that reads the word of God would immediately be saved. But that's not the case. Some unbelievers read it their whole life and say, still don't understand it. But the child of God with the Holy Spirit when they read the word of God should be blessed immediately. Now, whether they want to um, submit to the truths there and really find joy in the things that are stated there, that's uh, that's a that's a different thing that you know, hopefully we'll touch upon next week when we talk about the word of God being an anchor when we're suffering. But for now, I wanted to continue to talk about this and, and really point out that through this song there are a few points where the psalmist connects these two thoughts of of delighting in God's word and meditating in God's word. Um, And that really uh, reinforces the the point that I was trying to make and how it's this this cycle or this loop. Um, In verse 47 and 48, he says says it uh, again. He says, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. And... I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And so we see these delighting in God's word and loving God's word and meditating on God's word, um, all there, they're close friends, right? They're close friends. And um, by now we're into enough verses into this Psalm or maybe some may be asking, hey, hold on, you're going too fast. Um, What is he speaking about when he talks about the commandments or the statutes or God's law or his precepts or his judgments or his ways, um, you know, his paths, his promises? Um, All of those uh, words are used throughout this psalm and in, in a way that is synonymous to the word of God. Now, it doesn't mean that all of those words mean the same thing or that they're the same word. That's that's not what I'm saying. Um, they speak to to different aspects of God's uh, revelation, whether it's in his his instruction through his uh, Ten Commandments or through his law or even um, a word like testimonies that refers to those events in Israel's history where God demonstrated his covenant love for Israel. Um, So, so the Psalmist though is using all of them almost interchangeably uh, just to refer to God's word in general, but at times he's using them in more uh, specific uh, ways. But to get back on this uh, delight and meditate, um, I wanna give you a few more examples and that would be in verses uh, 15 and 16 and verses 23 through 24. He says, I will med-, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Verse 23 and 24, even though princes sit and talk against me, Your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. And so we can see that the word of God is a habitual blessing to us simply for the fact that when we are in the word of God, we grow a a love for God and a love for the word of God, we delight in it. And it draws us back to God through his word where we meditate on it. And as we meditate on it, we can then leave the word of God or like our time of study, our time of devotion. But because we've meditated on it, it's now been deposited in our heart or in our mind where we can uh, treasure it and safeguard it and have it with us throughout the day. No matter where we are, there have been times during Christian persecution through the history of the church where, where Bibles have been taken uh, from, from people, from families, from, from whole towns and areas and, and, and even have the Bible um, outlawed in countries. And yet, as long as that word is treasured in the heart of the saint, he will always have the word of God. Um and if he always has the word of God, then you will always have a love for God in God's word. You will always be able to delight in it. I wanted to look at another way that, uh, that the word of God is a habitual blessing to the believer. And that is that it, it keeps us walking on the right path. It's a habitual blessing because it keeps us walking on the right path. In um, verse 104, the psalmist says, from your precepts, i get understanding therefore i hate every false way and so it is the the precepts those um those uh, um decisions and judgments that god has made for us for us to follow those who give us understanding they um they they basically they they connect the dots right. That's what understanding is. It, it takes from 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 having knowledge and knowing something to to then acting upon it. Um, uh, he says, "From your precepts, I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false way." When we think about this statement and a powerful statement that it is, um, he is not saying that after receiving understanding from God's precepts, he is simply choosing to go that way and not go the false way. He develops a hatred for the false way. The understanding that he receives from God's precepts um, causes him to then develop a perspective that hates Every false way, and what is every false way? Every false way is not a way. It's not a way. It's not a true way. It's not a way. We have been reading uh, Little Pilgrim's uh, Big Journey. It's a Pilgrim's Progress for kids um, as a time of uh, family worship, and um, and every time little Christian gets off the king's path you know he finds himself in trouble and um and 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 one time he gets off king's path and 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 he gets you know caged by the giant of despair or something like that and and the next thing you know he he needs to to use the key of promise which is god's word to get out and to get back to the king's path um he finds out that every way that's off the King's path is really not the way that he ought to be going. And for the child of God, that's the same thing for us through God's precepts. We learn understanding and we learn how to walk. And with that knowledge of learning how to walk, we uh, where to walk in and, and what manner to walk. Um, we begin to hate the false way. Um, the Psalmist and the psalm um, would even go on to speak about how he, he even hates when, when others take the false ways. But, but for this, he, he hates the, the false way because it's, it's not a way at all. In verses 59 and 60, he says, I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. So we can see that the psalmist um, recognizes the blessing that the word of God is and how the word of God um, uh, helps us to stay on the right path. He's been informed by it. He's learned from it. He's now guided by that understanding. And so he considers his own ways, right? His own ways. And he turned his feet Why? If we remember all the way back to the beginning of of the psalm, what is he saying? He says, how blessed are those whose whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways, in his ways. And so, One thing that we know for sure with God's word is it's going to direct us not to a new way, but it's going to direct us to God's way. And and that's significant. That's where the habitual blessing is, is walking in the way that God has has set for us, that God has um, commanded us. And when we do not walk in that way, um, the psalmist says in verse five and six, says, oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes, then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. One way that God's word is a habitual blessing to us is that when we go the wrong way, and then we go to the word of God, we rightfully experience the feeling of shame. We live in a world where people are trying to remove shame, um, as though shame is a bad thing. Shame is is a bad thing if it is used in, in the wrong way. Like if we are trying to shame somebody, based on what we think and what we believe is right and wrong. But when man feels shame because he does not walk in the way of the Lord, that is a good thing. Woe to us if we are walking in ways that are not the Lord's way and we do not feel shame. Um, We may hear people say, or we may have said ourselves, they are doing this sinful or wicked thing, and they are not even ashamed about it. They do not feel any shame. No, shame is a good thing when the Lord allows us to feel that feeling. It lets us know that we are not doing something right. And so he says in verse five, oh, that my ways be established are fixed to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. In verse 80, he says, may my heart be blameless, right? Uh, that same word from the beginning of the Psalm, that integrity word. May my heart be blameless in your statutes so that, I will not be ashamed. In verse 31, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. And so he's aware. He's aware that not only um, if he deviates from God's way, will he feel shame, but He's aware that he needs God, and he needs God's grace and God's help, God's um, work in his life, to to keep this way. And if and if God lets him go, he will be put to shame. He will be put to shame just because of the the nature of man's heart. And it's important for us to to see this psalmist um, really exposes his heart on a number of um, verses in, in, in this psalm. He says, I cling to your testimonies. And what is that? That's uh, going out in the summer's heat and working. And then that shirt gets stuck to you. And the shirt gets stuck to you. He says, I cling to your testimonies. His desire and his zeal for God's word is so strong. It makes him, in a good way, uh, fearful that if the Lord were to let him go, he would immediately go the wrong way. And and then he would be put to shame uh, by God's word. And it's because of this, uh, this will be our, our last point. And Lord knows there are so many other examples why the word of God is a habitual blessing but the word of God is also a habitual blessing because it reveals to us this dynamic character that we need God's grace we need God's grace we need God's help it's a habitual blessing because it sets a a perfect standard and and then as we live we we find that we don't hit that standard and so so we go to God and we go to God and we ask him for help and there is uh, perhaps not a, a greater place, in, in perhaps all of Scripture, than um, verses thirty-three through forty in Psalm one nineteen, to show a saint's heart and desire for God to to help him walk in a way that's that's worthy of. Of being a child of God. Um, before we go to that verse, before I read it, I wanted to just do a little bit of um, explanation. And uh, Hebrew verbs are not like uh, like the verbs that we use. In in some regard, there is a a unique quality about uh, a specific type of Hebrew verb. A hiphil verb is the the name of it, and and what it really demonstrates to us is, is how um, it, it it describes a cause. It describes a cause. If I just make it as simple as possible, it really helps us to see that that some kind of cause was uh, has occurred, or that there's a desire for that cause. And um, and so we can say, you know, like. That God caused him to believe, or that God, um, as your uh, beloved church is named Living Hope Bible Church, it reminds me of the passage in First Peter. Uh, I think it's uh, chapter one, verse three, where Peter writes that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope, right through Christ Jesus. Well. What we see in this um, whole stanza is the author of this psalm uses these Hebrew verbs to show his desire for God to cause an effect in his life. And so I wanted to read these eight verses to us, starting in verse 33. He says, instruct me, O Yahweh. in the way of your statutes that I may observe it to the end. Let me pause there for a minute because I've been doing the teaching thus far in the new American um, uh, standard Bible. But right now I'm going to be reading um, this portion of scripture from the legacy standard. It's a newer uh, translation. I'm still literal. They have improved upon the, the NASB, or the New American Standard 95, and one thing that they did was to really bring out these verbs in this section was they translated um, these verbs with the word cause to really help us to see what is happening there and what, what the psalmist's desire really is. So if you have a New American Standard and all of a sudden you're I do not sound like what you're you're reading along. It's because I'm reading in the legacy standard. Uh, But verse 33, instruct me, O Yahweh, in the way of your statutes, that I may observe it to the end. Cause me to understand that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Cause me to walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Cause my heart to incline to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Cause my eyes to turn away from looking at worthlessness and revive me in your ways. Cause your word to be established for your slave as that which produces fear for you. Cause my reproach, which I dread to pass away for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your loving kindness. And so really in that stanza, we can we can see the psalmist's great desire. A great desire, not just to walk in that blameless way that he was mentioning in verse one, but he knows, he knows that, that no matter how much he desires and how hard he tries, he still needs god's help and that's still true for us even though we're different than than this psalmist we're uh, believers in the new covenant with the holy spirit um, but we still we still need god's grace in helping us to walk um this uh this this uh in this manner. Um, so these were just, a, I would say a, a handful of, of reasons why the word of God is a habitual blessing for the believer. Um, and um, this Psalm has been such a blessing for me. And even in preparing these notes for, uh, for this teaching, I, I went back and I, I've just, right now i'm i'm actually in preaching through verses 153 through 160 so we're almost done and um but it was a delight for me and an encouragement to my heart to go back and sift through this psalm and to look at all these ways and and um and i'm just thankful to be able to share these things with uh with you all and um and yeah, I wanted to, to open it up and see if there are any questions or anything like that um, in regards to this material. Thanks, Ray. Um, while some may
1: still be processing some questions, let me let me begin by asking just on the last section that you covered under the, yeah. uh, the, the Hay uh, stanza. Uh, yeah. Can you explain a little bit more the significance of the causative effect there of the Hifalc? Uh, for instance, in 34, it says, cause me to understand that I may keep your law. It, can you just explain the relationship between the result and the cause, the the, the effect and, and
0: the cause there? I can, um, depending on, um, you know, how far we want to expand, you know, this. This is essential for the believer. um We would even say that without God's help, man cannot understand God and understand God's word. We Mm -hmm. we need God. We need God. We are dependent upon God. Um, while, While the heavens and creation declare God's glory, we can know that there is a God by simply looking at his grand design We cannot know God in a manner that would produce salvation without God's disclosing of himself and Mm -hmm. and revealing of himself. And so here, the psalmist begins um, with with this, give me understanding, it doesn't begin here, but second line in this stanza, but the first line, teach me. He wants to be taught, he has a desire to be taught, he wants to know the way of God's statutes. Um, so that he can keep them but even in God's teaching him so that he can keep them he still knows that he needs God to cause in his life an understanding Mm -hmm. that's to take the knowledge of God's word and to know how to live uh, according to that knowledge how Mm -hmm. to to apply that knowledge Mm -hmm. to his life because then then he will have that um, observe your law Mm -hmm. if we look at it as the nasb has it teach me O lord the way of your statutes and i shall observe it to the end Mm -hmm. then he says give me understanding that i may observe your law and keep it with all my heart so really Mm -hmm. with without god's causing that understanding we could not Assume that we would um, be able to live in a way that you know. Observe doesn't mean just uh, view it or see. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The word, the word, observe is like a like a hunter looking for prey mm. and having his eyes fixed on it, not letting something escape. Or um, the night watchman would observe and, and keep a lookout. Mm. It's 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 a, a an observation for for the act. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it says, give me or cause me to understand in order that 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 word is uh, in order. It shows that reason. Mm-hmm. We need God to cause us in our life for the particular reason, at least here, that we would observe his law. And that doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. It means uh, his law in general, all the things mm. that he's commanded. Is that is that
1: helpful? Yeah. So in a sense there is this divine enablement that he's asking for. And the, the net result of that is the responsibility of not fulfilling it. So in um uh in a sense there is this divine responsibility but also human accountability that's that's at work together in that in that uh, verse um uh sure. said without without god causing us to not only understand but desire uh, his word there is no way we in in ourselves would do it by ourselves um so yeah I, I like that um i think you called it the he fell verb right it's the he fell causative sense of, of the verb uh are there any other questions? I don't see anything in the chat. Uh, does anybody have a question that you want to ask? If you do, uh, just indicate by means of your hand or uh, put it in the the chat and I will give you opportunity. Um, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, what, uh, yeah. I don't know where, where
0: I got uh, cut off. Yeah, you were talking about how we need God to have this, divine act in our life that it would even make us desire right Mm. and we actually see that in verse 36 yeah what these what these causative statements basically reveal to us is that you know it's it's not just one thing that we need god to do Mm. you know this shows the whole of the the spiritual man Mm. we need him to cause us to understand we need him to cause us to to then uh walk right mm-hmm. which which isn't the physical right it's, it's actually the to take what we know and then to apply it right to the walk like uh, how Paul would use walk right as mm-hmm. as in a lifestyle um cause my heart to incline that is that is um you put a ball on on an incline and it's going to roll downhill right mm-hmm. he wants his heart to be put in the position where its nature is changed where it instead of fleeing from god it flees to god um Mm -hmm. where it 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 enjoys being um before god where Mm -hmm. before salvation man hides from god right and he says cause my eyes so it's not just his heart and not just his feet not just his mind but even says cause my eyes to turn away from looking at worthlessness why because when we set our eyes on on the things that that have uh, uh, no value, um, knowing the sinfulness of our heart, we yeah. are likely to trap our heart in finding pleasure and joy in things that do not uh, uh, amount to anything. And, and when we do that, um, we cannot have our eyes fixed on what is worthless while at the same time um, setting our gaze upon God it's impossible yeah. they're in, they're in the different um, uh directions and so it says also' you know, cause your word to be established so so it's like okay, all these faculties and all these ways uh fix them for me, but also fix your your word also in my heart mm. you know because because that's important if he's going to carry out his own title there is slave. Cause mm-hmm. your word to be established for your slave. Uh, a good slave does what the master calls, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so to have the master's uh, calling fixed is only going to enable the slave to carry out um, his duties and then cause my reproach to pass away because mm-hmm. he knows that he's, he's uh, not perfect and he's not going to be perfect. But he clearly knows that grace is available. Because mm. if grace were not available, he would ask for something like grace. Mm. But because he knows it's available, he asked for God to remove reproach from him.
1: Yeah. So just to follow up, uh, the, there's one question that has come into the chat. I will read it to you in a moment, time. But uh, sure. if there's any other questions, please just uh, drop it in there uh, and, and I'll read it. But uh, just a follow-up on that. So how would you explain to a believer um, in terms of how they pray? How would this, it's obviously not commands in how we ought to pray, but there's definitely principles or implication as uh, um, as Char would say uh, for the believer today. So in, in what way do we, we pray in a causative sense uh, that god would cause our eyes to turn away or our hearts to be inclined to to his word uh, how, how would how would you explain that to uh, the new Testament believer
0: <laughs> yeah i would say um i would say there's nothing wrong with even praying a prayer like this um you know we could we could pray a prayer just like this um, you know cause my eyes to turn away from looking at worthlessness mm-hmm. and revive me in your ways cause cause your word to be established um, for your for your slave or for your servant or you know for your child whatever however we would want that title um, as that which produces fear for you and we can pray that way, but we could also we could also pray um, in a way that's different because of being new covenant believers, um, we have the Holy Spirit and we have the word of God so accessible to us where we can, um, in our prayer, um, say, say things, um, uh, that are, uh, perhaps more like, you know, uh, father, help me to submit to your Spirit's um, drawing of me to, mm. to this direction or to that direction. Help, mm. help, Help me to, to submit to you in, in this way, or that I would trust the Spirit's guidance in, in this way, or, you know, because all of, all of uh, what the psalmist desires, all through the entirety of the psalm, we can see fulfilled in what Christ has done on the cross and the gift that we have received through the Holy Spirit dwelling mm-hmm. in us as a seal, um, stamping us for the day of redemption. We are called to 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 um, to go to the Father in prayer, but like Romans 8 would say, in our weakness, the spirit of God uh, helps us right mm-hmm. and and so so we can we can certainly pray the way that he's praying in the psalm, but then we could also um, you know I guess uh, being more new, Testament times, a new covenant um, language, and ask for for God to help us in being filled with His Spirit, mm-hmm. so that we would obey the things that the Spirit is doing through His process of sanctifying us.
1: Yeah. no, oh, thanks. Um, all right. Uh, there's, uh Donovan asked a question. He says in verse seventeen, the author. Is asking God to deal bountifully with him. In the context of the chapter, what is he referring to? Uh, Sorry, let me just back. And what does that action look like practically to us uh, as believers today? I'm presuming he's talking about the bountiful aspect. Um, So yeah,
0: if you can comment on that. Yeah, and, and here we would say that he is, um, wanting God to deal well with him, um, and, and regards that, that he would, um, it says, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Mm-hmm. So This isn't just asking for, you know, deal bountifully with me that I would have a, a, a great harvest or that, you know, my, you know, uh, cattle would produce and, you know, things like, like that, that maybe, um, you know, in Old Testament uh, ways of, of, of having uh, blessings from the Lord and, and um, uh, finances or prosperity, um, which is there's nothing wrong when the Lord um, prospers us. But, um, but in this regard, that word and the second line that Mm -hmm. helps us to really uh, know exactly where the direction is that i may live so in order in order that i may live uh, and keep your word so how would god deal bountifully uh, with his servant and we read more of that in the section that we covered 33 through40. How is he going to do that by enabling him and by, by, by blessing him, um, in, in a causative way, but also, also one of the themes throughout the Psalm is, is the Psalmist is struggling with persecution. And even one of the verses that I read, um, princes were desiring to, to, um, uh, do harm to him, and so uh-huh. one way that I'm I'm sure he was hoping the Lord would deal bountifully with him would be to remove his enemies.